0: Have you ever considered how many journeys converged on the birth of Christ? When reading the Christmas story from the Word of God, it seems almost everyone in the biblical record of Christ's birth is on a journey. His own journey from heaven, Mary and Joseph's journey from Nazareth, the wise men from the east, the shepherds from the hills, and a prophetess from the temple. All of these people are connected by Christ's birth, and all are a part of God's plan. Tonight, we will follow these travelers as related to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our prayer that you will recognize the most important journey was made by God himself. In coming to earth as a man, God's divine promise, the Messiah, was to redeem mankind from the curse of sin, our desire for you is to realize that the most important journey you will ever make is directly to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Please open your heart to him as you join us for the journey of Christmas.
1: we yeah.
2: Never found communicating with humans to be very easy. Over the centuries, we angels have appeared to various individuals to deliver messages from God, and usually we're spending the first few minutes saying, "Fear not" or "Be not afraid." It's always been remarkable to me how the Son of God cloaked his brilliant glory for his journey to Earth. That journey began with the fall of man, when the first man and woman chose to defy the command of God. He promised them, "Send them a savior." He promised to send them the Holy Son of Heaven to redeem them from their chosen path of sin. We knew when he planned to do it. He even told man through his prophet Isaiah. Therefore the Lord shall give unto you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And indeed it came to be. The prophet Micah told where the miraculous event would take place. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth is from old, from everlasting. Seeing the Holy One devoid of his brilliant cloak of glory was a sight I could not tire of. My eyes could not fathom seeing my master as a man. And yet I watched it all happen. And when he was born, I was there. Truly, heaven had come to earth.
3: Have you ever ridden a donkey? If not, I assure you, there is no great comfort you have missed. Our journey that first Christmas to Bethlehem, it was a journey to remember. I understand now why Joseph and I had to leave our home in Nazareth. It was for the census. But ultimately, our journey was necessary to fulfill prophecy. You see, it had been foretold that my son would be born in Bethlehem. And so we had to go. If you know anything about our beautiful country of Israel, you'll know that our home in Nazareth is over 60 miles from Bethlehem. So when Joseph told me in his soft, apologetic tone where we had to go, I could hardly believe my ears. Well, what about Jesus? We had already been given the baby's name. Joseph assured me That God would take care of His Son and me. So we started the long journey and joined the streams of people along the busy pathways. Under normal conditions, such a journey would take about three days, but I was most certainly not in normal conditions. The donkey was a very patient beast, and it bore my constant rearranging and requests for rest without a struggle. I don't mean to complain, but only to explain that because of me, our journey was made unnecessarily long. And we arrived in Bethlehem with the stragglers four days after we had left home. There were no rooms left in the inn, but when Joseph showed me to the stable in which we were to stay, I can honestly say it was a welcome sight. Oh, it wasn't my first choice but I knew my time was drawing near and that any measure of rest would be pleasant. And that night, our humble quarters were blessed. Beyond the richest rooms in all of Bethlehem with the birth of the Savior, the long, weary journey had been well worth it.
4: The day our king arrived on earth should have been been the most celebrated day in history, but it wasn't. At the very least, the Jews should have known he had come. The signs were all there. They were simply ignored. It was as if the people had forgotten Isaiah's words. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But the God of the universe would not allow his son to come unannounced and without fanfare, so he sent us. We were sent that starry, cool evening to some shepherds, the kind of men who have a faith unsullied by the world's wealth and power. They were simple and believing. We knew that if we all sprang out of the quiet sky at once, those poor men would be overwhelmed beyond recovery. So only one of us was sent at first. His message was simple. The Savior is born. When we couldn't hold ourselves back any longer, we burst into the sky above a choir, beaming God's radiance and singing our announcement song, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men.
1: The news of a glorious sight of a miraculous birth Jesus, the Savior is born, wonders of message debris, so it used for sight of here are
5: the angels of
6: I prefer a scholar. It's my job to know everything that's happening in the world so that I might better advise the king on any subject. Among my many studies, I have often read the Hebrew texts. They are prophetic. They tell of the coming of a great king, a ruler who will bring peace to Israel. I remember those prophecies being... Particularly striking, the first time that I read them, they were so they were so specific, they were so confident. My fellow scholars noticed the same thing, and soon we were so familiar with them we didn't even need the scrolls upon which they were written. I guess that is where our journey began, a journey uh, with the belief that these things that were written were indeed. True. You can't imagine the joy that first night we saw that brilliant star. We often studied the night skies, mapping its patterns and observing its changes. But when we saw that brilliant star, we were all fully aware that it was special. It had to be his, king, his star. It had to be the star of the king whose coming had been foretold. We had to see for ourselves. Within just a few days, we found ourselves caravanning towards that beaming birth announcement for the newborn king. Secured in our belongings were rich gifts for the young royal. We followed that star for months. And if ever I doubted the sanity of our journey, I needed only to look up and ease my heart again. That day that we arrived is forever etched in my mind. I expected throngs of people celebrating the birth of the long-anticipated king. But instead, all we encountered was a jealous King Herod and blank-faced scribes who had to dig through their dusty scrolls to find the very prophecies that we knew so well. They knew nothing of the mighty counselor or the Prince of Peace. So we returned to our star. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. We had found the king. We reverently approached the place, and upon our knock and request to see the child, we were admitted by a man. His wife sat nearby, and on her lap was the king we had come so far to see. We fell at his feet and presented our small gifts. I'll never understand why wise men from the East were told of his birth in such a miraculous way. But it was a journey that changed my life a journey of faith and of worship. <laughs>
1: By the star asking for the blessed news where is born the King of the Jews? The wise men worship Jesus down at Child born upon the hay, gold and frankincense they bring.
7: know just how old I am, but it's okay to wonder why I'm here. The journey of my life story is one of patience, patience born of much waiting. When I was very young, I can remember my father telling us of the coming Messiah. In the face of looming wars or trouble in Jerusalem, my father would comfort us with the promises of Of Messiah. Oh, I was impatient for him to come. If God's Messiah was going to make us all rulers, what was he waiting for? (laughs) Oh. Well, when the day came for me to become a wife, I found myself blessed with a husband who lived with the future ever before him. He too spoke often of the redemption of Israel. I told you this was a journey of patience, and after several years of marriage with no children, I found that God was indeed teaching me patience. For seven years I looked for Messiah alongside my husband, and then one day I found myself looking for the coming king alone. When you're young, you never expect to find yourself a widow. Ah, but don't pity me. How could you pity someone who is cared for by the everlasting God? Well, it has now been many, many years since my husband's passing. And if God gives me many more years, why, I'll be a rival to Methuselah.
5: <coughs>
7: Rather than remarry, I came here to the temple and dedicated my life to praying for my people coming Messiah I have been blessed in my ministry as a prophetess and have discovered what it means to wait on the Lord (laughs) I was praying in the temple one day when I heard a ruckus on the steps outside it was my good friend Simeon Simeon is nearly as old as I am and we've had many a good talk about Messiah and now it was Messiah he was again speaking of. And I heard him say, Now I can depart in peace, for I have seen thy salvation. If if Simeon had seen the salvation of the Lord, then it could only mean that he had seen Messiah. I took myself as fast as I could toward the sound of his voice. And coming upon him, suddenly I saw a man and his wife holding a small child. No one had to tell me that this child was Messiah. I had waited too long and prayed too hard not to know him when I saw him. Oh, how I praise God at that beautiful sight. All my years of watching and waiting have been fulfilled, and God can take me home whenever he chooses. Oh, but what an end to my journey. I have seen him, the Messiah, who will redeem the world.
8: Messiah, God among us, Jesus Christ is my Redeemer.
9: For the 33 years of the Savior's life, heaven was as a man holding his breath, silent, watching, waiting. We all knew what would happen at the end of his earthly life. The Holy Son of Heaven fully intended to die for mankind. And nothing more despicable, Holy, he had the power to undertake such a task. And nothing more despicable could have been the object of his grace. The awe that I felt at his love still holds my tongue back yet. God crucified for man. It's the sort of thing that's so marvelous that words cannot express it. The hosts of angels, myself among them, were ready to fling ourselves at earth at any command from him, robed in flesh as he was. Many times we were sent to minister to him in his time of loneliness. Once when we withstood the attacks of Satan. Another time we were sent to minister to him in prayer, but we were always ready for his call. On the day of the crucifixion, we were ready but he never spoke we watched as his earthly followers betrayed and forsook him and as the prophets the prophets uh, falsely accused him and as the soldiers beat and bruised him yet the orders never came he died on the cro- when he died on the cross god's wrath shook the earth and the holy light of heaven seemed to dim The day of the great fall of man had been terrible, but nothing could describe the day that God's Son had died. Then as now, I do not understand the love that he had for those people. It was his whole purpose in going. A journey of 33 years ended in the destination of love.
0: heard about the distances that many people traveled, but in each case, they ended in the same place, at the feet of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from, but it does matter where you're going. Christ has promised to turn no one away, and there's nothing barring your way to the cross. In Romans 10, 9, we read that if Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. We invite you to make that journey tonight.
1: journey
10: that the Creator of the universe before the foundations of the world were ever formed designed to show His great love for us. And it involved all these journeys and it involved all these people, but the center focus of it all is the journey of Christ. You know, it's amazing to me that God in His infinite wisdom, planned to provide forgiveness for mankind. And then he desires us to let him in. Who are we that we should even respond to him? Let alone to have the ability to say to God, I don't need you. And to think that this, the greatest birth ever in all of history, would be in vain. He came, as the choir just had sung, to set us free. Free from our own guilt. Free from our own sin. Free from our own pride. Free from... Eternity in the lake of fire separated from God. But it matters what you've done with him. It's not just a matter of letting him in. It's a matter of bowing before him and saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And then as was portrayed as well in In song, the difference that he makes, I saw him and I've never been the same since. You know, I I fear many times people say, well, I'll, I'll let him in to forgive my sins, but I can take it now, God. I can handle this. And we try to journey this life on our own. And we may be successful in man's eyes, But the bottom line is, we are utterly failures in God's eyes if we try to live this life without Him. We can't do it. And God planned this journey for you and for me. Tonight, you're either here saying, oh, that's a nice, and I'm glad people find comfort in that, but... You know, I'm doing all right. And you haven't let him in for whatever reason. All of this is in vain. But worse than that, the future has no hope. But when you let him in, Jesus Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be a shepherd to you. I'll give you the power to walk in victory and, and to empower you to know that, uh, I think it was Anna said here, I've been a widow for all these years, but don't feel sorry for me when I have the King of Kings as my companion and friend and shepherd. Once you've seen him and know him, it's never the same. We really would be um, remiss tonight if we didn't call you to take some time personally to see where you are in this journey. In just a moment, i'm I'm gonna ask the choir if they'd sing sixty four. Is that the one Let him in? Um, and I want you just, When we we sing this, I want everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes and say, personally, just look at themselves. Where am I tonight? First of all, have I invited Jesus Christ in to forgive my sin? If you're here tonight and you answer that no, but I know I need to, there are numerous people here that would be happy to show you from the bible how you can know that you have everlasting life. It's a gift, the greatest gift ever given. And then if you're here tonight and you say, "Yes, I have trusted Christ as my savior." Have you really been walking with him? Is it a journey that you're taking with him or is it a journey that you're putting Him on the side and, and you're running the, the, the journey yourself. And when you get in deep water, then, then you cry out, Jesus Christ does not intend to be just our, our rescue ring when we're in deep trouble. He wants to be our shepherd. And ask God, God, what areas of my life am I resisting You in? Am I really walking with Him? As the choir comes again and sings, let's bow together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I just want you to examine your own heart. Are you sure, 100% sure that you have let him in? Not what other people think, but have you received Jesus Christ? And then are you walking with him? You listen as the choir sings, and you allow God's Spirit to search your heart. Father, we cannot express in words the overwhelming expression of your love to us. And God, our desire here tonight is not just that there'd be a nice program. Our desire is that you would have more of our hearts as a result of this. Lord, our desire is that there would be people that would begin the journey with you. Lord, I know that's your desire so much stronger than our desire is. And, Lord, our desire tonight has been that you would use this in we as believers' lives to realize how much you love us. And, Lord, that we truly would give you every part of our heart and life and soul and mind. So, Lord, um, it just doesn't seem fitting to say thank you for your great gift of love. But I pray that we would thank You by the way that we live, the way that we give, the way that we serve, that it would clearly be evident that we've let You in. And Lord, I, I pray if there's one here tonight that still has not trusted You for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray that You would continue to pursue them in Your faithful love And Lord, I pray that even tonight, they would bow to let you in. Thank you so much for uh, this great reminder tonight and during this season. Uh, Lord, it is truly a, a joy to know that light came to darkness, and it's never been the same since. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I know it's been a blessing for each of us to to be involved in this. And uh, we want to especially thank Kathy Harvey for playing and for... <laughs> and Jason Stewart for leading and prodding and instructing, and to the choir. Great job. We want to invite you downstairs for a time of fellowship. If you didn't bring anything, that's all right. Come down and share together. And then um, just to remind you, uh, Tuesday night we'll be going Christmas caroling.